And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. Howdy, everybody. Welcome back to another awesome episode of Founder Fridays with Frank, where we explore the challenges. That's a lot of Fs, isn't it? We explore the challenges founders face on any given day. Our goal is to give you ideas and to support to help your business grow in a healthy and productive way. I'm your guest host, Frank Keck. We have a guest guest today. My background, I'm the founder and CEO of CoreBuild, where we help build strong leaders and amazing workplace cultures. All that being said, I'm an entrepreneur at heart. I have started a few businesses myself, and I love working with founders and CEOs and startups. And that's exactly why I'm so excited to bring you these Founder Fridays with Frank episodes. So you're in for a real treat as the first four guests of this series you likely know pretty well. They're the four hosts of the Startup Hustle. So you've heard last week's episode with Matt Watson. And you've probably also heard the episode with Andrew Morgans. And so today uh, we've got founder number three. But before I tell you who that is, and I tell you, I love putting these founders in the hot seat so you can learn more about them. They do not know the questions that I'm going to ask. And um, so which has led to some interesting answers. Before I share details of our next guest, I want to take a quick moment to thank Fullscale for sponsoring today's podcast episode. Go learn how Fullscale helps you build a winning software team quickly and affordably by visiting Fullscale.io. And now, without any further ado or nonsense, let's welcome our third guest in this four-part Founders <laughs> Founder Fridays with Frank series, none other than, drumroll, Matt DeCourcy. Matt is the founder and CEO of Fullscale, Fullscale.io. He is also a published author and an authority on fashion. And so, Matt, before we have you say hello, uh, so Matt Watson, was I was told, was, is known as the best looking of the four hosts. Andrew Morgan is the coolest. You, I understand, have the best fashion sense. So welcome to the program. Well, thanks for having me. I've always wanted to be a guest on this show. <laughs> we're, 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 you're living the dream. We're fulfilling that dream for you. It's true. I, yeah, I, I don't think I've been a guest on this show before, not in this Great. context. So thanks Great. for having me. My pleasure. Uh, tell us I'm, a little... I'm founder number one, by the way. Okay. I'll okay. be in the third episode, but I demand found, being founder number one. <laughs> okay. You want me to redo that? Welcome founder number one. Thank you. Matt DeCourcy. Tell it us a little does. bit about full scale, Matt. Well, full scale is a, a tech services company that, you know, we, we help our clients build software teams quickly and affordably. And why? Well, here, our, our clients are usually North American software and technology companies. 
And there's like 300,000 open IT jobs in the US. It is very difficult wow. to build and scale a team. Uh, it's a problem that, so you mentioned the other Matt, the bet that I guess apparently the best looking Matt of the hosts on the podcast, according to him, um, is also my investor and partner at Full Scale. And, you know, when we started the business, we did it because we were realizing as software and technology founders how difficult it was to find people. Uh, you know, we're in Kansas City, much like Startup Hustle, and that made it even harder because uh, a lot of people in markets like this were at the time moving to Silicon Valley, New York, other places that seemed like right. they had a little more glitz and glamour. And really, in the end, we knew that that everyone wants to build offshore development teams, but no one really knew how. So we created a founder-friendly way to do that, which has evolved rapidly. Uh, at the time, you know, we we got about have about three hundred employees now, and we've also built a pretty sophisticated management platform that helps us manage our employees, helps our clients manage their teams. And then the overwhelming task that it takes on is the massive number of applicants that we now right. get. Uh, so yeah, just a lot of automation and, and stuff like that. But really in the end, just trying to provide quality development teams that, that last, not short-term stuff. Cool. Now, you and I have talked about culture a couple of times, and so we're going to talk about that more today, culture and leadership. And, um, you know, since you and I spoke uh, on the last episode that you and I did a couple of years ago, the world's changed fairly dramatically. So it's yes. even harder now to find, you know, it used to be hard to find good help, and now it's just hard to find help, period, yet alone good help. So we're going to dig in more about um, how Full Scale does that and then and then how they build their culture so they can keep those folks uh, so question number one, uh, I think the world wants to know, what color shoes are you wearing today? They are not gold. I think that, uh, <laughs> for, and for those of you listening, because you never see my shoes when I'm the host, but I do own roughly 50 pairs of gold shoes, mainly sneakers. Um, and I'm actually wearing black shoes today because okay. uh, contrary to popular belief, I don't wear gold shoes all the time. Um, okay. they're really heavy and, and hard to keep shiny. Oh, no, we, they're not real gold. So they're actually not heavy, but yeah, black, black shoes. Yeah. Can you buy, do you buy them already gold or do you have to paint them? Oh no, they come in gold. The, um, when it comes to gold shoes, the, the hardest part is most gold shoes. If you're, if you're shopping for women's shoes, which I'm not, uh, it's easy to find gold shoes, but when we right. say gold, we mean like striking gold. And we could do a whole nother episode about that. But uh, some of my friends and peers that are also sneakerheads have decided that I am one of the foremost collectors of gold footwear, at least in America. <laughs> We're not sure that my there's, no, there's no there's no charter list for that. My 13-year-old son, Leo, is a shoe head. And I, I told him we were doing this program today. And I said, so Matt is a shoe head. Sneakerhead. Like, oh, yeah. Sneakerhead. You call it sneakerhead. Well, I called it. I called you a shoehead. So, so maybe, maybe he did say sneakerhead. Anyway, it shows you what I know, right? But I showed him somewhere. I found a picture of gold. You in gold shoes, and I, I said, "Look, he's this guy wears a lot of gold shoes." He's like, "I got a shoe problem, man." The real yeah. truth is, is if we're getting there, uh, I have way, way, way more shoes that aren't gold. Who has more shoes, you or your wife? Oh, me all day. Okay. Like my wife tells me to get rid of shoes. I have a second closet for shoes. And that's after <laughs> I gave a whole bunch of them to a local charity that has a shoe store where they 
teach uh, young young men and women how to operate a business. Okay. Yeah. Uh, before we dig into the culture discussion and stuff, uh, since the tables are turned on you a little bit today, tell our audience one thing about yourself that our listeners probably don't know about you. And that's a considering how many episodes of the show that I've hosted, that could, that could be tough, but I'm not going to go with the assumption that everybody knows that. Um, I, you know, I've talked about this a lot. It's not really a secret, but I've dropped out of five colleges and I'm proud of that. Um, at one point I tried to hide that fact because it, it didn't feel like a selling point. Now I, I get a lot of people that draw inspiration from that. Um, <laughs> Because, you know, I really do. And and the weird part that comes with that is I'm often tagged in other people's social posts, uh, thanking me for giving them the courage to drop out of school. And I'm like, I don't know if I need that for everyone. But yeah. yeah. so that's a, that's a fun fact about me, I guess. I love that. But, you know, that does say, you know, I think sometimes we stay in things longer and it's no longer serving us. Right. And so you have to well, know. That's what happened okay. on the last one. The last one I dropped out of it was like a top 10, top 20 kind of business school. But, um, I started the business that I wrote about in my book, million dollar bedroom. And I, and I even addressed that in the book. I had a very tough decision at one point and, you know, good business opportunities and things that gain traction quickly. I didn't realize at the time are really, I kind of did, but I mean, they're hard to find. Uh, I could have always gone back to school. Um, right. But I had to make a decision at one point because I am a firm believer that there's only so many things you're going to do on an elite level. So if you, you, know, you only have so much bandwidth. That's true. That's true. So full scale has been around four years. Is that right? Five years? Roughly. Yeah. In that ballpark. And you guys have had tremendous growth. I think you're uh, Inc. 500 now, right? Yeah, Inc. 5000. Uh, 5, we were, uh, it was our first year eligible. So for those of you that aren't aware, Inc. 5000 is uh, compares three, the three trailing years of revenue and measures its growth over that period. So we were over 700% in growth in that three-year period, which is also our first three years of business. Uh, it was our first year eligible to even be on the list. And we were number 878 in the country, number six in the state of Kansas. And that was a lot of validation for a lot of people that did more work to get there than I did. But I think that says a lot for you all as an organization uh, on a couple of things. Number one, that you can, you know, not a lot of companies can build that fast and that solid and, and keep it, but also that you're in an industry where, probably a lot more room for growth oh, yeah. than, than yeah. even that. We've, we've barely scratched the surface in that regard. Very cool. So, so you're a successful entrepreneur, successful author, uh, successful sneakerhead, successful fashionista. Um, what's the biggest challenge that you have right now, Matt, when it comes to um, people, when it comes to like building your team, employees, what's the biggest challenge that you have right now? So when you look at a company like full scale and we're coming up on our 300th employee um, and we go back in the timeline. So we, after a year, we had roughly a hundred people um, that kind of growth um, leaves a, it leaves a little, it has a little bit of stink with it sometimes because you're that early stage and I know you're a culture expert. We've talked about this. You don't really have company culture. Right. And that early at a stage. And uh, but I realized the importance of that. So I've been I mean, 
flexible, but yet militant in certain ways when it came to pro, uh, protecting it. Um, you know, these, all these years later, um, now the business is moving so quickly. The biggest problem that I have quite honestly is not with what we do in the Philippines. Cause we are experts at finding developers, testers. We use the acronym rare. We say we specialize in recruiting, assessing, retaining, and employing. We're aces at all that stuff. But really the hardest thing I have on many levels is related to sales and business development because the level of expertise that it takes to understand what a technology company needs or wants or to communicate with tech founders or chief technology officers um, aren't usually skills and conversations that come from people that have an experience, have experience with sales. Right. Uh, Why? Because those are usually people that have been more on the technical side and there's a, a, a often a pretty big difference in personality type and the, in the, in the people that choose either of those paths. So I've taken that role primarily, and we've got a, a new sales director at full scale that's doing well, but it's hard to kind of bring people on because with, with that locally, there's a lot of, well, if you can sell software and technology, then you've got a, a there's a high price tag that comes with you. And unfortunately yep. it takes us several months to really understand if some, if someone's going to end up being good at it or not. So yeah, it's been a little bit of a challenge and uh, yeah, that's probably the bigger one. And then I think that kind of to go with that is, I don't want to say it's a problem, but as you mentioned at the beginning of the show, the world changed. So the first half of our timeline, we're a company with had everybody that went to work at an office every day. And then the second, so we had to work really hard to learn how to get good at that. Right. And then almost like in the blink of an eye, it was gone. And then we had to learn how to be remote. We built a platform to help manage that, but the, one of the harder things with leadership and culture has been related to now doing that. It's, 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 it, it's a different vibe, feeling, and set of needs when everyone's in the same place every day. And now we have employees all over the Philippines and just a small number in Kansas City, but the Philippines is 7,700 different islands. Like these people aren't wow. always close to each other. So we've had to do stuff to keep them engaged and make sure people are doing okay. Cause quite honestly, uh, being a, a, a developer and working at home can be lonely a little bit, you know, sure. so trying to, trying to do things that, um, you know, our company's biggest assets are our people. So just trying to <coughs> figure out how to continue to improve that. And we just do that through listening. I just ask, I, you know, like I just sent it out yesterday. I, I, about once a quarter, I sent out just a, a basic uh, form and I ask me your questions and I answer those questions uh, in, in, a, in a video that I'll send out. So I'll just okay. sit, you know, sit in front of a mic similar to what we're doing right now and record a video and I answer the questions that the people have, that the people that work at the company have. And it's pretty easy to understand what's on their minds because you can hear the echo in some of the questions that, you know, like during the pandemic, it was there a lot of people are just insecure about, you know, like, is the company doing okay? And right. stuff like that. So yeah, a little, a slightly different set of challenges, but we've been able to rise, rise up and, and just, you know, and then also understanding that we can always get better at that. So what are some of the questions that uh, are some of the things that your people are asking you that you're answering? Oh, I, love the, I love that technique. I think that's really cool. Cause you've got 300 people you've got to reach yeah. out to. That's right. a lot of one-on-one zoom calls. Well, I don't do that. 
That, that, that would, that would, so that, you, by the way, <laughs> that that's, one of those, that's one of those interesting things you talk about, like at scale. So I've always uh, taken a lot of pride in having kind of an open door where people could reach out to me and they do sometimes. It's definitely made it a lot harder for me to get to know the people that work at the company mm-hmm. when they're not there. Cause I've been to the Philippines twice this year, but we only have like 10 people that go to our office. Right. Which feels weird because it's a ten, each we have two floors, each of which is ten thousand square feet. So, so you're like it's a thousand square feet apiece. Uh, pretty much, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it just looks like I was there last time, and it was Easter Sunday, and I felt like it was like that movie I Am Legend, you know, where Will Smith's <laughs> the last man. There's like nobody there in the IT bar. That was like weird. This is weird. Um, the questions are are. Our unit are over. I mean, the recurring ones are always related to, um, you know, our future plans for career growth, training, um, compensation. We get a lot of, you know, a lot of them are, are kind of funny because I think they've learned that I'll answer a, a lot of them, even if they're weird. So I've even had questions like, hey, Matt, do you drink? Want to get wasted? Uh, how, I mean, did, answer, how did I you answer that? that? I well, I said, I said, I don't really drink that much, but I, now this is coming from an anonymous person. I'm like, but if you come find me because I like the question, well, we can talk about it. But that person never, never identified themselves. Right. Uh, which was disappointing for me, quite honestly. Um, so yeah. So the, I mean, the right now one is so the the inflation's a hot topic and the cost of living has gone up so i got the ones that have been coming in have been related to that uh, in the past answering questions in this format has helped us actually create so we have a really 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 small churn rate for our employees which in the world right now is is rare like it's so sm- like out of 300 people i'll get maybe one or two that leave in a month Wow. Um, which is tiny. That's yeah. tiny. Um, and a lot of that isn't because they're not happy with the company. It's because they have an opportunity to move to another country. Right. So over the pandemic, we had almost no churn. And then you could tell a lot of companies kind of li- or countries left lifted their visa requirements or something. So we had a little right. flurry of that this year that kind of drove that number up. Uh, but with that, we've been able to reshape our, our plans to give people you know, a lot of companies kind of give you a cost of living increase that comes right. once a year. Instead, we do that twice a year. We do it every July 1st and January 1st, give everyone a raise. Um, we've also used it to incorporate like the, when, hey, when your people are asking, you can hear the echo. Like you get that same question 25 times. It needs to be addressed. Um, and then so you us, listen to the questions, but you also are watching, okay, where, what are the patterns? What are we getting? That's a lot the main of? thing I'm looking at. And then, and then yeah. some of them are interesting one-off questions that, and then, you know, some of them are honestly just like, Hey Matt, how are you doing? Like not how's the, like, how are you doing? Right. And, and, you know, I'll answer that. I, I like, uh, there's, uh, usually, uh, uh, I, I, so I'll, I'll, out of 300 employees, I'll, I'll expect in the week that I'll leave these questions open before I do the video, I'll, I'll get 75 to a hundred responses, which is a lot. So wow. it makes it easier to, to spot that. And then, you know, there's standard stuff. People just want to, uh, you know, Matt Watson likes to say your employees just really want to know if we're winning or losing. Right. So a lot of them would be like, what are our goals? What are the projections? Stuff like that. Um, 
it's pretty easy for your employees to understand the company is likely healthy and growing when they consistent, consistently see new people being introduced. Right. So when new people start, we use Slack and kind of, hey, welcome so-and-so. And when that volume okay. keeps going through, it, it's, it's pretty good. So, I mean, that's pretty much the standard stuff. Um, yeah. You know, just a, a couple of things. Um, so you guys have a low churn rate. But I want people to know, you know, as you're building a culture, no churn rate is just as bad as a high churn rate. I have a I have a client right now, Matt, and they've got people who have been there more than 50 years. And 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 the people still do a good job, but it's like, you know, the world's changed in 50 years yeah. and we need fresh ideas. And and sometimes the sometimes the people that don't leave are the people that you need to leave. So you guys don't be scared of a little bit of churn as long as it's the right people. So people wanting to go to a different country, people stepping up and getting a, a, a different job, maybe moving up in a different organization. You guys, that's that's all good, right? Those things are all good. So that, what that tells me, Matt, is we're we're developing people, and and that's a positive thing. The other so, thing that well, I have yeah. a comment with that. So one of the challenges we have is so we work with about 50 different tech companies, but our model means our people become your team members at your company. Right. So I have to straddle this line because look, they, they want people to be in a seat for 10 years. So some of the things that we have to do in the background is sometimes provide a little bit more of the training, the culture side of things and other stuff. Um, so it's, yeah. And, you know, trying to keep people not feeling stag like, like right. they're stagnating in their career or they're stalled out or keep them interested or engaged. The thing we found that, that we're really insistent about, and I think what has a lot to do with our growth is we don't have really any client churn either, uh, which is but that comes from being as, so we're really picky about who we hire. Well, about one in 30 applicants is considered for a job offer. Mm -hmm. um, so that's pretty picky, but that's all. We're also like a premium service provider, at, but the key ingredient is finding a, a client that has the need and then finding a service provider or someone or us that's passionate about solving that need. So you said, I don't want to get you in trouble. You're supposed to do your other at your second ad read right now. <laughs> Thank you. You want me to do it? <laughs> I know. I don't want you to do it. I want to do it. <laughs> yeah. Finding expert software developers like Matt <laughs> doesn't have to be difficult, especially when you visit fullscale.io where you can build a software team quickly and affordably. Use the full-scale platform to define your technical needs and then see what available developers, testers, and leaders are ready to join your team. And you're kind of getting some behind the scenes here today. Visit fullscale.io to learn more or just listen, continue to listen because we're going to talk more about yeah. uh, some more about Fullscale. So I, I have two, two things that you mentioned that I'd like you to expand on a little bit. Number one, um, I wrote the word picky, but I think the word you used was selective, right? So you talked about being very selective with the people you bring on the team. But I think also you're without having client churn, you've got to be selective about who do you all bring on as clients? You, yeah. Talk to us about that piece a little bit. Th that's as important, if not more important than the, than the employee selection. I mentioned earlier that our, our biggest asset at the company is our people. Mm -hmm. And knowing that it takes 30 applicants to find one person that we're going to consider, that doesn't even mean we hire. That means one person that we, th hey, this person could get a job offer. 
if that comes up, they have about a two, two out of three chance of getting one. Some people don't, but the thing is, is if we have the wrong clients, so software developers are as concerned, if not more concerned about what they're doing and, and what they're participating in the technology they're using and that they're not bored shitless, to be honest. There's, there's my swear. Frank told me I had to swear at least one time. I was like, <laughs> my listeners are going to be upset if I, if I only keep it at one. But I can't uh, believe it took you uh, 23 minutes to get there, but okay. I've, I've gotten a little more mature with age, and I just really haven't had anything that's made me want to swear yet. Um, it doesn't take too long. But, you, you know, you, with, the, with the selection of clients, um, so the thing is, is out of that one out of 30 people, these are people that uh, show – um, a level of excellence when it comes to experience, skill, communication, things like that. And people that are in that industry vertical. So our, our average developer, so we primarily, our, our staff is primarily software developers and engineers. Right. Uh, the next more po- most popular thing is, is a tester. And that's 90% of our revenue generating employees right there. The other 10% are a mix of of like leaders, product owners, development managers, stuff like that. Um, now, uh, but, but people that have high levels of expertise, part of how we attract them to come work at full scale is the promise of interesting and challenging projects and clients. So, you know, so I'll talk to people that don't really understand what they do. Oh, you build websites. No. We don't build websites. We build <laughs> software platforms that usually do really complex stuff and can only be touched, monitored, built, and grown by people that are really good at what they do. Now, that being said, those pro- those kind of jobs are kind of hard to find, you know. Right. Like you know, and software developers are clearly in demand. But doing something that you're passionate about, that you're interested in, and all of it makes it way more interesting and exciting to get up and do. You don't get bored with it. So that's, I, that has a lot to do with the, the, redu- the reduction of churn. And then really what we've noticed is that passion for solving the problem uh, and, and working with good people. Because dude, no one wants to go work at a place that sucks. So we've That's actually true. fired clients like, and, and, and aren't afraid to do that at all. Like the, what will get you fired as a client is treating our people like shit. So it you sounds know, a little and, bit. And that's not acceptable for us. Like there's, and if that occurs, like we will go try to address it, but we have a real short leash with that real short leash. So, so you guys take care of your people. It's, Which number, is, it's the number one thing. It's the number one thing that is in my thought process when it comes to the people that work at full scale. Okay. So there's another I tip. For them. Work, I work, work for them in that regard. And if I work. let them down in this, in this case, yeah. I mean, I'm dropping you in a miserable situation and that's just not cool, man. It's not the way to do it. So we're, we're gathering tips to, to today too, Matt. And so one of the tips for our listeners, I want to make sure and point this out is take care of your people, right? As hard as 100%. it is to find people, yeah. You got to keep them. And the reason people leave, they leave their bosses. They don't leave the company. They leave the boss because the boss typically doesn't well, every, take care Every of company says they take care of their people and their people first and blah, blah, blah. But do you really do it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, and that's the key. And if as and, uh, if you're in the leadership seat, look, you ha- the, if you can't get buy-in on that, then it's just words, you know? Like, so you have to back it up and you have to be, you know, I'll give you an example that one that, that is, I still get feedback about. So I was in Cebu City, where our main office is, 
And in, in March of 2020, when COVID really broke out, I was supposed to leave the Philippines on, on March 13th. Now, in the timeline, that's right around the same time the NBA, the NCAA had just canceled the tournament the night before. And uh, everyone's freaked out. And I woke up and I was supposed to address the company that day. And, uh, and I woke up that morning and I was walking over to the office and I just felt sick to my stomach. And I, and I, I, I stopped halfway there and I called my wife and I said, Jill, I can't come home tomorrow. And she said, like, I even, I'm even feeling emotional talking about this. And I, she, she said, why? And I said, I can't stand in front. I can't, I was supposed to talk to the whole company at that point. We had 180 people. We had two groups of 90, right? you know, and, I, and, and this was the big thing. Like I answer all the questions. Like I mentioned, I used to do that in person in front of these groups and we didn't even have, want that many people in a room anyway. So, you know, so we had two groups that I said, I can't stand in front of all these people who have given me their heart and their soul and, and building this company with and for us and our clients. And I can't say, Hey, we got to stay the course. We're going to figure this out and then get on my jet plane and go back to America tomorrow. Right. I said, this is not the time for me to walk away from this. And, you know, my wife, um, you know, I'm choked up talking about this and she's like, I get it. She goes, I'll see you when you get back. And, and you were gone for like a whole nother week or something. I was, right? I was, I actually ended up leaving on the 20th and I, I recorded an interesting series of podcasts that I just found the notes for. I, I, so I wasn't planning on being that gone that long and we weren't as good at planning ahead on the podcast. So we were about to run out of episodes. I was like, you know, I'm going to record <laughs> the Corona diaries. Right. And I found the notes for that the other day when I, uh, when I was, I've been moving my office slowly, very slowly. Um, which is a different subject I need to address in life. But I found the notes I wanted to, I was going to, I might record an episode and go back and review some of that and see what I was right about, what it was right and what wasn't. That would be kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it would be, but you know, so anyway, I ended up, I ended up going to this meeting and I told both groups, I said, I'm here with you and I'm going to stay here and get this figured out. I, and I had to say, I said, Hey, look, I don't have the answers right now. I, none of us have any expertise on global pandemics at this point. Now at that point, right. look over in, in the Asian side of the world, like, you know, China, Philippines, all these things, they had, they had much more expertise than us. They had gone through bird flu and like a bunch of other things there. And they were a lot more equipped for it. Meaning like people were, I, one of the things I noticed when I first started traveling to the Philippines years ago is a lot of people were just wearing masks in general. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's some of that's just air pollution and some of it's a lot of other things, but they were a lot more equipped for it and they were a lot more cooperative about it. You know, here yeah, it was a dog fight to get someone to wear a mask. They're everyone like instantly adopted. But but still to this day, the feedback that I've gotten from management is that was a game changer for a lot of our employees. Now, with that immediately occurred, we lost 35 percent of our revenue over the next 60 days. Wow. And that was our clients kind of freaking out and dropping things. Now, in Congress with that, other local employers around Cebu, and I won't name who they are, but companies you would probably recognize, cut everyone's salary, forced them to use PTO days. We did none right. of that. We did none of that. Not None of it. And I, Matt Watson and I and our wallets ate that money. And we were okay with that. Still to this day was a good decision, but... I didn't want that to be, I, I was happy to do that. 
But, I think so, that, but that that talks but to the value, like Matt. And then also, like, but that's that selfless approach. Like, your way, like, like without all those people, Frank, I'm just a guy looking for something to do. But that talks that talks to the value of loyalty. Yeah, we got right? a lot of it. That's I mean, and see, those same people are still around, and it still comes up. So you talk about the comments that come in. Sometimes they're not even questions. Sometimes they're just statements. So like, right. I know I'm supposed to put a question in here. I just want to thank you for like caring about the company. Yeah. Um, which by the way is tough. Like, I don't want to say Karen's tough to do, but, um, you know, one thing about employees is they always ask for a, a lot. If you, when you put these things out and that's the hard part is you do have to manage that. You have to manage it with a budget and within reality and not just with your heart. Cause. Well, and you have to tell people, here's what we can do and here's what we can't and here's why. And I do. And I do. We've right. been very transparent about that. So some of those questions too, people ask us straight out, like, is like, is the company profitable? And you know, at that point we're like, no, but, but I, you don't need, that's not your problem. That's mine. Right. Let me worry about that. You show up and do work and, and, and we're going to keep this going, you know, cause what's going to make sure it doesn't keep going is if we stop working. Right. So, you know, a couple of points here, Matt, that I think we can learn from a couple more tips. Like, so, so tip number one is whatever behavior you put out there, whatever value you put out there, that's what's going to come back. So you're loyal to them first. You're now finding that coming back, right? That loyalty coming back. Uh, one of my questions I was going to ask, but you just answered it was about transparency. The more you're transparent with your people and you let them know, hey, here's the state of the company. Here's our expectations of you, right? The more that you put that out there, the more they're going to be transparent with you. Yeah, I was I dealing with a client the other day and they're like, no, we don't want our, we don't want anybody in the company to know how much money we make. I'm like, why not? Well, we don't trust them. Well, then why did you hire them? Right. Yeah. So it's just a different philosophy, but I think that transparency. You don't trust important. them. They're not going to trust you in that regard. No, exactly. And that's why and they that, have a culture. There, problem. There is, I do have a limit to some of the transparency. Like I might not share like a bottom line number right. um, in that regard, because there can also be some misinterpretation to that. Cause like we are a profitable company now, but that's still overriding three years of not. You know, so, but, but that might be something that I share now. Um, yeah. But I mean, really I th that key is, is, is keeping that. I don't know why not share it with people. It's fear, right? Yeah. Like cultures, well, don't share, one they, don't, they, don't, they don't want to tell people that they're profitable because then they're, they're worried that that's going to mean everyone's going to come with their hand out. Now look. Well, yeah. Yeah. But I think they company might. cultures, driven, companies that. are driven by, either, you're either driven by love and you're moving towards yeah. stuff and you're doing things for your people or you're driven by fear, like everything is going to be taken away at any moment. But but you had another thing that you mentioned and and I, I'm going to ask you to talk about it a little bit. And I wrote down Match. You're kind of like techmatch.com, right? So match.com is this website where you can go and you know if you if you want to find somebody that you can be aligned with, uh, I think it's primarily We're for dating. our age by using that because I think all the kids <laughs> use Tinder now. So, well, I thought Tinder I was just know. like a quick I thing. I dude. I'm but married. That's I've been married 15 years, so I, I am not up on that. But the reason I bring that up, Matt, is because I know that like for, for Matt and for Match and some of those, it, it's like, okay, we're going to help you meet somebody who there's a match, right? Who you're aligned with. And, and, and so you're more likely to have a positive relationship. But as you talked about not having a lot of churn in your employees, but also in clients, 
uh, one of the things that you alluded to was we want to give our people interesting work. So yeah. like, how, how do, if, if I work for you, how do you match me up with the right company to go do my work with? How do you create that match? Um, carefully on some days. Now that's what our platform does. So if you look at like the, the okay, so what's tricky about what we do is first off, we have to have someone that, that has the technical acumen and experience to survive in a rapidly moving way. And you can depreciate that trust in, in a team, whether they're a, a contractor or a full-time employee by making everyone else's life difficult. So that's the main thing we're vetting for in the beginning. But there's, there is, there's a whole nother level of, so a lot of people will say, oh, so yeah, you just want people that can write code or, or do this or do that. But that's only part of it. Uh, so in order to have to have a productive communication is really the big key. So we look at we look at more than just someone's technical aptitude. In our case, we need them to speak English too. Like right. That's a big thing. So you could be the best coder in the world, but if you don't speak English, we we aren't the right spot for you right. in that regard. But we also like I'm looking at at an actual assessment form inside our system, and and you know that we rate we we take it take a guess because it is a guess. You don't ever know if anybody's good at anything or if you're right about your opinion of that until they show up and do the job, by the way. That's that's the thing. Like it's right. real. But, so we're looking for relevant experience, experience in the software development industry, communication, um, attitude and likability is a really big thing. Probably the biggest things are critical thinking and critical thinking means I could say, hey, Frank, um, I don't think this idea is going to work. Uh, I, I, and this is why, and we might want to consider a different approach or at least know and understand that if we do go this direction or take this approach, we may have some stuff to clean up, fix or change or adjust later, which in the world of software is referred to technical debt. It's very difficult right. to avoid, but a lot of people end up with it, This is this uh, equivalent of you don't want yes, yes people. The people that are yes, yes, yes all the time. But then with that, there's a, we also look for problem solving because really mm -hmm. that's what a software engineer or a tester does is it's a very scientific kind of thing. You need to be able to solve a problem. Now, look, if you can solve other, help other people solve their problems, you're, you're now a peace of mind vendor in some regards and, and providing that kind of stuff, that, that kind of output is remarkably valuable. We also look at leadership because one of the things that, that software and technology companies get wrong all the time is they've got someone that's great at writing code. Like that's our team lead. Is it? So we ask them, we just ask them, we're like, would yeah. you rather be a member of a team or a leader of a team? And they will say one of those two arts often I'm okay with both. So the, the thing is, though, is putting someone in a leadership position that doesn't want to be in a leadership position isn't going to probably end up that well. Um, we also put a very high value on versatility. Uh, many of our clients are earlier in their stage of business right. and don't have massive resource sets. So someone there's and by the way, there's a difference between someone who is versatile and someone who's versatile and wants to be versatile. Right. And a lot right. of people that can do things, but they don't like doing them. So we also are checking for that. Um, and then passion, passion. Like I just, we've learned this through this podcast 
and just experience that people that are passionate about what they're doing are getting an opportunity to do what they're passionate about, deliver results, stick around, and are generally happier overall. Absolutely. Well, they're doing what they love else. And, and they do it better. With yeah. the absence of passion, you know, and I, I don't know if you know this, but, you know, Matt Watson and I have made a couple million dollars worth of investments in startups over the last few years. And the one thing that will end our conversation with anyone that we're talking to about that is the obvious lack of passion. Is it when you're passionate about anything, it's not a job, man. You're excited <laughs> to get up and do it. And the key thing, so you talk about self-discipline. That for me, that's defined as doing the things you need to do the most at the times you want to do them the least. Okay. And, and so if you're passionate about it, man, it's not really a job, you know, it's like, it's fun. So when we, we know, sometimes we get that match so right that we actually have to go in and intervene and we're like, Hey, I really, cause we do a set monthly price for our clients right? For about a hundred, 160 hours of, of participation average in a quarter per month and a quarter. So 480 hours, but we get the, we have to build in our own system, some tracking and notification tools. And we've had to go tell a bunch of people who are like, you cannot work 300 hours. A month. <laughs> like, but I really love what I'm doing. I'm like, yeah, but you're going to like, everything else is going to crumble. And now, yeah. now also, it, it, you know, a lot of, so here's a, all right. You wanted a fun fact. I have 300 employees. I'm 47 years old. I only have one employee that's older than me. Nice. Welcome we to tech. Welcome we to tech. We won't ask you who that is. No, he knows. But but that but that's but that is that that is but, our but world that we're in. That, a lot of our employees are are younger and single. They don't have families. They don't have kids. So sometimes right. you know. But if we if you have a wife, kids, all that, we definitely want to. You know, look, it's just people that are passionate and they want to do well and they're service oriented and you know, like and in some cases during the pandemic, they just couldn't leave their house. No. So, so some of that, like there's some limitations to it that come in and, you know, but that's part of that management and taking care of people. You know, another thing too, that you talk about culture and keeping people around, we didn't have this before, but we, we brought, we hired and trained and created an employee, an employee engagement manager, like someone that is wow, specifically cool. tasked with creating uh, so part of what you, as a, if you have a team at full scale, we make sure that they have a quarterly thing they can do together. That could be karaoke or hiking or, you know, or boating and it's beautiful there. So they might go Island hopping, you know, and just do something as a team together. And we pay for that. We also do another thing that I'm really proud of. And I want, wanted to make sure we share, we have a, it's a company holiday. We call it outreach day. You may have seen me post about some of this a few months ago. So we give everybody a paid day off. Um, I, I personally and the business fund a, a pretty robust amount. And then employee engagement, our employee engagement people and our office staff come up with 10 to 15 worthwhile things that we can do. We let our employees pick what they want to do, where they want to do it and all that. So this year we planted 5,000 trees. We cleaned wow. up like a half a mile of ocean. Um, the, we, we purchased and then installed solar panels at elementary schools that were off the grid. Um, and so old, worked at an old folks. Dude, we adopted an eagle. I didn't even know we did that until <laughs> I woke up one day and they were like, what? we get to name the eagle. And I'm like, what are you talking about? 
Look how we adopted an eagle and now we get to name it. So yeah, we're having a contest for naming. We're down to the final two on that. What are are the two final names? I let everyone submit it. So including my own submission, which by the way, ended up in the finals and that wasn't because I decided that. So was it uh, Matt? So one of them is C sharp. So there's a coding language C and then like hashtag. Right. C-sharp, which was a really clever name for an eagle. And then the other one is Poe Guapo, which translates to Sir Handsome. Um, that was my suggestion. So Poe means Sir and Guapo, which is in Spanish, is also handsome. But one night I was joking around and they were like, what would your name be if you were a rapper? These are the kind of questions I'll get sometimes. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, Sir Handsome, which which. That's I, gonna I, I'm be... not going to call myself that, but I donated it to the Eagle. Um, okay. Voting was not open for that, but I, I'm expecting Poguapo to win and a runaway. All right. It, I have one Eagle, by the way. It's a good looking bird. Good looking I love bird. that. I have one yeah. more question, and then we're going to do our fast, four fast questions from Frank to kind of wrap things Bring up. It on. We're Let's with Matt DeCourcy today. All right. Uh, so my question is very specific. Do you know what motivates each of your directors slash team members? I'd say, yeah. I mean, okay. for, and I have a lot of them, um, but I have a, I have a pretty good sense of that. And it's, and, and that can be a lot different compared to the roles that they play. Okay. So, uh, someone in particular wanted to know that because she wanted you to know that she wants a new car. So I'll just <laughs> throw that in there and you can figure out who that, that was is. Jessica. Yeah, that was Jessica. Yes, it was. Oh, but my. you know, I think it's so important to understand what motivates people. And I'm going to send you, um, a worksheet, a worksheet that we created, and I'm going to ask you to test it with your people. And then we'll come back and do another episode to follow up yeah. episode. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it's called, it. it's called, um, clarify my needs and it's based on Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yep. And so we're going to ask Matt to give that to five of his people and then we'll come back and have that conversation. Uh, because it is important to understand what drives your people, what motivates your people, what they need. And that's a lot of what we've heard today, right? Passion. Yeah. And if you don't know what's important to people, we can kill that passion really fast. All right, Frank, four fast questions. Well, hang on. The thing that's most important as a leader is if you want to get what you want, you have to help everyone else get what they want Absolutely. and do it in a way that is, is okay. So you talk about giving and, um, not a religious person, but there is a Buddhist principle that I have really, really adopted, which is the idea that you should give without expectation of return. And I think that the same thing goes for an employee. So if you find out what motivates people, and by the way, don't assume, just ask them. That's another thing we ask during our, our assessments uh, when we interview people, like what, what motivates you? What are your goals? What do you like right. doing? What do you not like doing? And you get an understanding for that as well as a comfort level for what their personality style is. I mean, are they introverted or extroverted is the basic way to look at that because those people hear the message differently. They want to be heard or understood differently and they will mix with other people differently as well. So there's some basic things to know and understand there that are important. All right. I'm ready for four. I'm ready. All right. Here we go. Stretching a little bit. Four fast with Frank. Let me warm up. You said I got to go fast. I'm old. I don't want you to pull a muscle. Question number one, paper or plastic? Paper. Question number two. I think I know the answer, but you may, you may shock us to relax. Do you need to spend time by yourself or with other people? 
I'd say by myself. Okay, that does surprise me. Question number three. By the way, I'm, people often confuse me for being a true extrovert. Yeah. I am so driven that with that personality trait, we appear outgoing, but you get obsessive about things and you'd really just kind of like to be left alone to whatever you're obsessed with. So I don't have a high level of drive or need for the social side of stuff. But that said, I can definitely go do it and I'm willing to, but it's not something I seek. Matt and I are going to do a future episode. We're going to talk about recovery um, and not from drug or alcohol, but what he was just talking about because I'm the same way. I'm an introvert and I can have extrovert tendencies. I have an extrovert job, but you guys, everybody has to recover. Yeah. Right? Extroverts can't be extroverts forever. So we're going to talk about, Matt talked a little bit about work-life balance, but we, as a, as a uh, society, we don't really talk about giving our people time to recover. So we'll, we'll, we'll do an episode on that. All right. Uh, two more questions, favorite cartoon character and why that's one. Who's your favorite cartoon character and why are they your favorite? That's a great question. And, and I'm struggling for an answer. You know, Popeye came okay. into mind because I like the fact that he is kind of down and out and, you know, he, he rallies some spinach and, and gets really strong. And, and what makes me think of that is funny because, you know, I, I openly admit and discuss having ADD and my ADD meds will often make me Popeye <laughs> in some regards because I'm kind of slacking and wimpy and weak. And I'm like, my focus is terrible here. And I'm like, all right. So yeah. So I, I am who I am. Frank. I love that. So, so the psych, but psychologist, you know what, but I'm wrong. It's still Voltron. Voltron is easily, uh, I, I don't know how that didn't come up first. Cause okay. people give me Voltron stuff. Cause I use it as a comparison. If you're not, I realize there's offshoots of Voltron, but the thing with Voltron was those lions were all pretty badass on their own. In most episodes, one or all of them are kind of getting beat up, but when they decide to work together and form a team, they become, the defender of the universe. I'm going to have to go research Voltron because I don't know. Well, those are the lions really and they kind that. of turn so. into one super robot and there's old Voltron and new Voltron. They've like re-released it. They're both pretty badass. Yeah. It's after, after my time, I'm going to go do some research, but you're psychologists, like, you're not that much older than me. No, you? but I, I, I've never heard of that cartoon before. We'll so. binge watch it. It'll take four or five days to get through <laughs> it, but we'll do it together. All right. Uh, the reason I asked that is because that's a great way to get to know people, uh, instead of saying, so Matt, tell me about yourself. Just have them tell you their favorite cartoon character, because that's like typically it. how they see themselves. Right. So I actually love the Popeye. I'm going to stick with the Popeye one. Like um, it. your favorite quote. Success demands payment in advance. I like it. And that's me quite honestly. I mean, I'm, I, I don't know if it's narcissistic to quote myself, but um, that was the, so in my book, Balance Me, that was kind of the thesis statement overall in many ways. And I think that once you accept that and start writing checks, uh, yeah. it, it, you get where you want. I, I have much like you, I've spent a lot of time talking to people, studying and learning about performance and what helps people do that. I've been, I do that. Like that's almost my hobby on some levels. Like I've been doing it quietly in the background. I've been talking, I've been doing a study on genius and I'm so fascinated with what makes someone perform. So I've actually, uh, because I worked in the music industry and I have access to some very interesting people over the course of 2022, I've done man, 10 
did 15 interviews or conversations or recurring things with rock stars. Wow. Uh, mainly guitarists because like, how do you turn that on like that, at, like that? Um, but yeah, the, the performance nature of, of, of all of it is, is really fascinating. I love that. There's uh, Pat Lencioni coming out with a new book about genius. So we'll have to yeah, talk more really about that. Yeah, it's really fascinating. You know, you know the amazing thing that I've learned and it's evolved and I, I'll share some of this. I'm, I am going to end up do, doing a, people keep asking me like, is this your fourth book? Probably not. I can't write books like you can, Frank. I, it takes too much work. Maybe I'll write it with you and then find okay. a way to get you to do all the work and then I'll take most of the credit. <laughs> That's fine as long as I get the money. I, fine, because I, I don't make care. selling books so far. I give away more than I sell, so deal. Hey, I, I, I have a quote that uh, as we were talking, this quote came to mind because I think this is a lot of what um, you guys are building in your culture, right? And so if you're looking for thinking about going to work uh, for full scale, think about this quote. William Wrigley said, if two people agree on everything, one of them isn't necessary. If and what? I think if two people agree on everything, one of them isn't necessary. I think you, that can be fair in a lot of situations. Yeah. yeah. And you talk about, hey, we want to get, we don't just hire people to sit here and just do work. We want people, we want them to think. And I think that's that's so important is to hire people you trust enough that you want them to grow and you want their their opinions, right? That's no. that's a wonderful thing. Find people uh, that are smart. If you can hire people that are smarter than you, do it all yep. the time. Yep. Yep. Not, right. not hard when you're me. Right. Uh, but I appreciate everybody for joining us today. And before we say goodbye, let's give one more shout out to today's episode sponsor. Do you need to hire software engineers, testers, or leaders? Let FullScale help. We have the people and the platform to help you build and manage a team of experts. When you visit FullScale.io, all you need to do is answer a few questions and let our platform match you up with our fully vetted, highly experienced team of software engineers, testers, and leaders. And you found, a lot, found out a lot more about that today. At FullScale, we specialize in building long-term teams that work only for you. Learn more when you visit FullScale.io. Matt, this is kind of intimidating, right? In uh, interviewing the uh, man who started this whole podcast. So thanks for letting me be guest host. And you're my guest, my third guest guest, but you're number one on the number one in love. Well, Frank, thanks for coming in and doing this. I know we had talked about it for a long time. And the the thing that is really fun is, um, you know, I mentioned that kind of selfless approach. You Okay, so Andrew Morgans was a guest prior to becoming a host. Lauren was as well, but Matt and I, especially, uh, I, we'd never, we've never been the guest maybe with, maybe with the other hosts on some regards, but yeah, I, this was a lot of fun and I might do it more. It felt like a lot less work. I was going to ask you how it was, but yeah, we're definitely going to do it again. We've got some follow-up stuff and uh, I think people can learn from us. So we're, we're not afraid to let them learn. Awesome. Thanks for having me on, man. I'll come back. I'll come back and do it anytime. Awesome. Thank you. And thank you everybody for listening today. Stay tuned for the next episode. I was, I just completely. Founder Friday for Frank. Frank, that is hard to say. Yeah. Friday, Founder Fridays with Frank. Gosh, man. It sounded like a great idea when we came up with it, but trying to say it, you got to drink water first. Maybe not. She sells seashells by the seashore is easier to say than Founder Fridays with Frank.
Yeah, there's going to be a swear word in there one time. Thank you for joining us for Founder Fridays with Frank. We're out. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. Like we do it.